premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, the King James Bible. And my prayer for you today is the same as it is every day, and that is that wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform you find yourself listening to us on, that you find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, before we get into the Bible study today, I'm going to ask just two things of you. Uh, first, would you please visit our website, sortofthespiritpodcast.com? And uh, once you get over there, go to our contact section and send us off a message. I really love to hear from you guys. I love getting the feedback from you guys. So um, if you could, just go over to that contact section and send us a message. But if you don't like to use those web forms, that's fine. You can always email me directly at info at sortofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at sortofthespiritpodcast.com. Now, the second thing I'm going to ask of you is that while you're on the website, to look for that support this podcast button. And if the Lord leads you to do so, and these podcasts have been a blessing to you, would you please consider supporting this ministry? You can set up a monthly contribution for uh, as little as $0.99 cents a month, four ninety nine a month, or nine ninety nine a month. Uh, so pray about it. And if the Lord leads you to do so, I would be very, very thankful for it. And I would also like to say thank you, of course, to all of our current supporters, uh, those of you who support us prayerfully, those of you who support us financially, and, of course, to all of our listeners who tune in faithfully every week. Now, I'm going to have a little announcement a little bit later on about that. But thank you, thank you, and thank you so much for tuning in and being here faithfully every week. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, would you please consider visiting us at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit the church's Facebook page. Just log into Facebook, type in First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass in the search bar, and once you're there, you'll find lots of helpful information and also episodes of this podcast. And speaking of where you can find this podcast, uh, did you know that we're on most major podcasting platforms now? And that includes Spotify, Anchor, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and Good Pods. Now, that announcement. Uh, on Good Pods, this week, we are the number one podcast in the religion and spirituality category. That's right. 
That's right. So again, folks, thank you. And, uh, you know, praise the Lord for it. And thank you to every single one of you uh, for faithfully tuning in every week. Uh, so with that in mind, wherever you're listening, be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, family, and followers, and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we get into the prayer requests, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll get into today's study. Um, so last week I mentioned to you guys about uh, the possibility of starting live broadcasts. So uh, with that in mind, um, I've been praying about this. I've been talking to a few people about this. And um, so it looks like what we're going to do is we're going to do a live broadcast on Spreaker, on that platform. Uh, and we're looking to probably do Sundays uh, at 3 p.m. Central Time. So that'll give you guys a chance to, you know, go to church in the morning, uh, come home, get some lunch, tune into the live broadcast of a, pod, of a Bible study, and then uh, go back to church for your evening service. Now, you'll be able to, uh, of course, listen to this live broadcast on Spreaker, and the link to that website is on our website at the bottom of the page. Uh, we're also going to be adding a Spreaker player to our website so that you can just listen to it directly there. And uh, just so you know, the same broadcast, the same message, the same study that we're going to do in the live uh, broadcast is going to be the podcast that's going to be available at 11 a.m. Central Time on all of our other platforms. So this could be a trial run. Uh, we'll see how the Lord uses it. And uh, if we get a good feedback for it, then, um, you know, we'll keep it going. If not, we'll just go right back to doing just strict podcasts. So uh, something to pray about and something I will let you guys know about uh, the week before we start. So uh, we also have some other information here. Now, um, I don't really pay attention to the numbers. Okay, I don't really look at see how, you know, at least often. I, I do from time to time, but not often to see how many plays and how many downloads and, and all that stuff. And I was thinking, you know, so, you know, I've been doing this. This is like the, the 22nd or 23rd episode that we're doing. And um, I started to think, yeah, I wonder where we are, like how many downloads, how many plays, you know, however you want to term it. And I said, ah, we got to be getting close to like maybe. 200 maybe or something like that well uh and again i don't know how i missed this but um would you believe that we're just a few plays and downloads shy of 700 already for 23 episodes that is to me a blessing first of all it's amazing and thank you thank you thank you and um, Lord willing to celebrate that, I'm going to see about getting us some uh, some little things to uh, to uh, to sell or give away. I haven't decided yet, but as that comes around, I'll keep you posted on it as well. So I'm really excited, folks, and thank you so much for tuning in every week. And because if it wasn't for you guys tuning in every week, we wouldn't be the number one podcast on religion and spirituality on good pods we wouldn't have almost 700 plays and downloads already um and i'm just 
I'm just amazed by it. So thank you. you know, praise the Lord for it. I want to thank the Lord for that first and foremost, and I want to thank each and every one of you. So uh, let's keep it going. All right. Well, praise the Lord. All right, so what we're going to do now is going to move over to our prayer requests, and let me just pull up my, my stuff here. All right. So on our prayer requests, we're going to have our usual uh, prayer requests, uh, folks that were praying for, for salvation, like uh, me praying for my mom, my sister, uh, my granddaughter, um, and uh, David back in New York City. Uh, so we're praying for them, for their salvation. Um, we're also going to pray for my mom, uh, for her health. Uh, my mom had some minor surgery done on her, on her scalp uh, Friday. So she had that, she had something removed and it was, there were two things that had to be done, but they couldn't do the second one because the first one was bigger than what they thought. So it was more invasive than they thought. So they're going to have to go back in a couple of weeks and address the second issue. So I'm going to pray for her, for her salvation and for her health. Uh, we're also looking to pray for, um, for, uh, Sissy, Sissy, who, um, injured her ankle a few days ago. Broke her ankle, I'm sorry. Broke her ankle a few days ago uh, in rodeo. So uh, we want to pray for Sissy for healing. Uh, and then we mentioned John. John um, John had his wisdom teeth extracted. And apparently the roots on those wisdom teeth that he had pulled were pretty deep. So what they're going to need to do now is um, they're going to need to harvest some fat from his, from his uh, cheeks, I believe, and then uh, use that to fill the uh, the holes left from the roots of his wisdom teeth. So we want to pray for John for that surgery and for healing. And uh, we want to pray also for Bernice. Bernice is, um, uh, like you all know already, Bernice is a sister in our church, and she's been uh, battling cancer for quite some time now. Uh, she's on some medications now, and um, they seem to be helpful. Uh, she's going Thursday to get the results of a, of a recent scan. So we want to pray for Bernice and her health. We also want to pray for her mom. Her mom is also going through some, um, some medical problems, uh, with cancer as well. Um, we also want to pray for Alan. Alan, um, has a stage four prostate cancer and he had to go have a, a biopsy last week and that's been done. And they're expecting the results uh, very shortly. So we're just going to pray for Alan as well. And then there's Tilden. Tilden's a one-month-old uh, little boy who um, was diagnosed with bacterial meningitis. And uh, last week he had gone through a surgery. Uh, he's recovering from that. And uh, unfortunately, though, he's going to have to go through another surgery this week. Uh, so we want to pray for little Tilden. And then... Uh, just for some general prayer requests, we want to pray for uh, for uh, Robert, who is a, a National Guardsman, and um, he's working on the border here at uh, Eagle Pass. He attends our church uh, as frequently as he possibly can, so we're thankful to have Robert with us. And we want to pray for him. We want to pray for his colleagues, uh, the guys that he's working with, uh, that uh, that they would be safe, they'd be protected from harm, and also that... Um, you know, that their morale and their spirits would be lifted up uh, by the demonstration of appreciation that we have for them for doing 
what they've been called to do. So we want to pray for Robert as well. And then, of course, we want to pray for uh, any of those unspoken prayer requests uh, that are out there. I know I have a couple of myself that uh, I'd like to have some prayer made for. So uh, first and foremost, of course, we want to pray for uh, you know the podcast. We want to pray for uh, that the Lord will use it in a, in a, in a mighty way and um, that, uh, that it would be a blessing to everybody that, uh, that's under the hearing of it and, uh, and how thankful we are for it. So let's go to pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for the opportunity to come before the throne of grace today, Lord, that we can lay the petitions of our heart down uh, before you. Father, we just lift up all of those in our prayer list today who are in need of salvation. That's the most important thing, Lord. Um, Health issues are one concern, but salvation is the most important. So we want to pray for those that are in need of salvation. Lord, we also want to pray for those that are that are dealing with health problems, with cancer, with surgeries, um, with uh, myriad other problems uh, that they're fighting and battling, Lord. We just pray that that you would just work in a mighty way in them, that you would guide the hands of those physicians that are working with them, and, Lord, that you would bring comfort and that you would bring uh, a measure of grace to them and their families as they, uh, as they work on uh, tackling these problems that are presented to them. And then, Father, we also want to pray for our, uh, our, our National Guardsmen. We want to pray for our Border Patrol agents. We want to pray for all of those in law enforcement and in leadership positions uh, in our local governments, in our federal government as well. Lord, we just want to lift them to you, and we pray that, uh, that you would raise up uh, godly Christian people uh, that would be in positions to, um, um, to uh, counsel and to guide and to and to open up the word of God for them. And Father, we thank you for all the love and the mercy that you have shown us. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation that we have through your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you also, Lord, for the time we're going to spend together in just a few moments in our Bible study today. And we'll praise you today in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. All right, folks. Well, uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a short break, and that'll give you a chance to go get your King James Bible, grab yourself a cup of coffee or a bottle of water, and when we come back, we're going to be getting into today's Bible study on raptures in the Bible. So we'll be right back after this. Hey folks, this is Joe Rusiello, host of the Sword of the Spirit podcast on Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started.
Morning. 
love that song. I really do. I heard that song for the first time probably in like 2002, maybe 2001. I'd been saved only a short period of time. And uh, the pastor of the church uh, where I got saved uh, introduced me to that song. And that's called You Are God. And the uh, the singer is Kevin. I know I'm going to pronounce the name wrong, so I apologize. Kevin Inafuku, I-N-A-F-U-K-U. And um, what a great song, man. He has a great voice, too. I have a couple of his tracks uh, spread throughout my MP3s and all that stuff. Um, but great song, man. That's it's a blessing. <laughs> it really is. I love it. Uh, all right. So. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and my name is Joe Rusiello, and I have the privilege of being your your Bible teacher and your host. So, if you would, would you grab your Bibles, and we're going to get right into this study. Uh, we're going to be studying the raptures of the Bible, and uh, we're going to go back to a passage of Scripture that we had examined in some detail when we did the uh, First Thessalonians uh, series. Yeah, we did a chapter by chapter, verse by verse study. Uh, not too long ago, but I want to go back over here to First uh, Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to just kind of start there and work our way through and examine some of the raptures that uh, are in the Bible. Now, um, uh, how many? I don't. I don't know how many people remember this guy. I mean, he's a heretic, first of all, but um, his name was Harold Camping. All right, and Harold Camping was. Um, he uh, he founded a radio program that uh, was, I think, around the country. I'm not sure. But I used to hear it when I was up in New York. And um, uh, it was like family radio or, or something like that. And he would host these um, these uh, call-in, uh, you know, stump the preacher kind of shows. And, um, you know, he was always – he was more monotone than I am. <laughs> but I at least put something into it. I try anyway. But um and he always had this is very very fake persona about him. But one of the things about how camping was is he was a uh, he was a date setter and he had tried to predict um uh judgment uh judgment day and uh, raptures and and all kinds of stuff. Uh and obviously none of it um came to pass so but he's just a heretic but um but a few years ago uh harold camping prophesied that judgment day would take place i think it was like march 21st 2011 or so i don't remember but it was a while ago and you know and all the saved people would be taken which you know yes when the rapture does take place yes those who are saved will be taken um, but the thing that became very popular, especially in the news and on TV, and in a way I was kind of glad about that because it at least familiarized many Americans with this doctrine, this Bible doctrine of the rapture. Now, of course, like I said, he was wrong. So um, the Bible says very clearly, actually, in Matthew chapter 24 and in verse 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You see, even Jesus Christ himself didn't know. And then, um, so after that prophecy of his uh, failed, uh, this guy, 
camping went back and he changed it to another date, which of course, you know, didn't happen. But like I said, it, it was good in a way because it brought attention to this particular Bible doctrine. Now in the Bible, there's, um, there's like a whole rapture program, so to speak. It's starting all the way back in Genesis chapter five and then going all the way through to Revelation chapter 20. You know, and it helps you to understand the thing if you if you actually understand the program. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin in First Thessalonians chapter four as our text, and you know we'll read this profound and very exciting portion of scripture. Um, you know, for those of us that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this means a great deal to us. In fact, we're kind of hanging the whole operation on this thing right here, aren't we? Yeah, we are. So uh, uh, now in First Thessalonians, let's begin in verse number 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now in Bible terminology, when a believer dies, and we, again, we covered this when we were talking about First Thessalonians uh, about two months ago. Uh, when a believer dies, he's never dead. He's asleep. And that's Bible terminology, okay? Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, you've instructed us to find comfort in these words, and I pray that we will do just that. I pray that you'll minister to each and every heart that's listening here today a measure of comfort and if there's someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior, that they might come to that understanding that, on, that the only real, eternal, genuine comfort comes from that and knowing him. So God, would you minister to all of our minds and all of our hearts and all of our lives in this hour, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, now the Bible in that passage that we just read as our text makes a Fairly incredible claim, actually. I mean, let's face it. If you were to suggest this to someone that was totally ignorant of these particular issues, they would look at you like you were crazy, right? I mean, that's kind of far out stuff when you think about it. The Bible says that one day God's going to blow a trumpet and an angel is going to lift his voice and he's going to shout and every believer upon the face of this earth is just going to disappear. Up we go. Now, we call that event the rapture, okay? Now, that's not a Bible word. That's a word that we applied to the event, okay? I mean, you can call it anything you want. You can, if you don't like the word rapture, you can call it, um, you know, you can call it the upper taker, you know? I'm not looking forward to the undertaker. I'm looking forward to the upper taker, amen? <laughs> amen. You know, you can call it the departing, the leaving. Uh, you can call it the exodus, you know, whatever you want to call it. But the traditional term is the rapture or the rapture of the church. Now, of course, you know, the Bible indicates that 
the time frame that you and I are living in is a dispensation. Now, that's a Bible word. And by all indications, we're living in the church age. And the church age is concluded by that phenomenal event where all the Christians are just going to disappear. Now, I don't know if you know it, but, you know, the devil knows about that event, too. You know, the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. You know, the devil is a Bible reader, right? Now, I didn't say he was a Bible believer, but he's a Bible reader. He knows what that book says. Now, I don't know if you ever, you know, uh, look at the tabloids when you're standing on the checkout line at Walmart or, or wherever. I do sometimes. I admit it. <laughs> okay. Um, I've never bought one, um, but I do like to look at them. You know, while I'm standing there, I like, I like to look at the covers and, you know, just see what they say. And, um, you know, one thing I'm amazed about is how frequently they talk about um, like a mass exodus or the the disappearing of multitudes of people, you know, you know, all the planets got in line and all of a sudden, you know, something happened out there in the universe that caused people to disappear or or, you know, they're anticipating something's going to happen. And, you know, most of the time we just write that off as, you know, just tabloid journalism, you know, but but the bigger question is, is society being prepared or conditioned for a Bible event so that some kind of an explanation could be offered in the event of your exodus? You know, perhaps you know, some kind of a scientific spin on it or maybe some kind of a scientific twist, you know? Well, it's something to think about, right? Something to think about. So the Bible teaches that one day the church... And by the church, I do not mean the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, the Catholic church, or anything. I, by the church, I mean, according to the Bible, everyone who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has trusted him as their personal savior, that church, the body of Christ, is going to Exodus. And those that have gone before us, and uh, that is those who have died or are asleep, they're going to be resurrected at this time, and we're all going to go up and meet the Lord in the air. However, it's profitable for us to understand that this event is not without precedent in type. Okay, yeah, we're going back to types. We did the three on the eight miracles in John. We did Joseph as a type of Christ. Now, you know, people say the most incredible thing uh, people can say that this is the, probably the most incredible thing that they heard, right? Uh, well, well, wait a second. You know, let's just back off here a minute, and then we'll, let's just hold the phone here. All right, this thing does have biblical precedent. Now, you see, the Bible works in types, and if you remember when we did do those studies on uh, the eight miracles in John and and uh, Joseph as a type of Christ. I mean, we learned about Joseph in about 150 different ways he types the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's fascinating, really. It really is fascinating. But, um, and I would encourage you, if you haven't heard those messages, go back and listen on, on those studies, and you'll get the idea of what I'm talking about. All right? It's really fascinating stuff. But there are types, okay? So, for example, when Jesus was, was talking about the last days, do you know what he said? He said, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So in other words, 
you know, a type here will type this over here. You know, type A types B. You know, they go together. On another occasion, Jesus said, as, the, as in the days of Lot, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So the Old Testament events uh, mirror or picture events that have either taken place at another time or events that are still somewhere in the future. Now, the first rapture that we read about in the Bible was a man named Enoch. Okay, and we read about him all the way back over in Genesis. So let's turn over there. Genesis chapter five, the uh, fifth chapter of your Bible. Genesis chapter five. All right. Now, uh, there's really not a lot or a whole lot written about Enoch. Okay. Genesis chapter five and verse 20, 21, 20, 21. Verse twenty-one, Genesis five, verse twenty-one, and Enoch lived, and Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now the Bible says that. Enoch was an unusual guy, all right? He was a man that walked with God. He knew God. He fellowshiped with God. And he had an unusual relationship with God. Now, that's the thing that we need to key in on, okay? Uh, he seemed to be very different from everyone else in his generation because he had this really tight relationship with God. Do you know what entering into the body of Jesus Christ does for you? The Bible says it puts you into a tight relationship with God. The Bible says that the Lord took him. In other words, he just disappeared. He went straight to heaven. He passed go. He collected his $200, you know, the whole deal. And off he went. Now, Enoch was in Genesis chapter 5. Do you know what, what you have in Genesis chapter 6? In Genesis chapter 6, you have a flood, Noah and the flood. So in other words, that flood is a picture of a great tribulation. Now, I don't know about you, but there would be considerable tribulation if we, had, if we, were, to have a, if we were to have a universal flood, would it not? I mean, if, I mean, we have minor tribulations around here when we have some flooding on our local streets. So there was a flood. A universal flood. And by the way, did you know there are mountains, mountains of geological evidence for the universal flood? You know, people say, well, that's all just fairy tales and myths. Oh, really? Really? Well, have you ever heard of ociferous fissures? Let me tell you what an ociferous fissure is. An ociferous fissure is a crack in the ground at a high elevation that's filled with the skeletal remains of animals that normally don't hang out together. You know, like um, uh, saber-toothed tigers and sheep, right? I mean, they're not usually buddies, are they? It's like that. And then do you know what they found? They found ociferous fissures, that is, remains and deposits collectively of petrified bones of animals 
at high elevations on every continent on the earth. Now, some people say, oh, that was just a regional flood. Really? It's amazing. It's amazing. There are all kinds of geological evidence supporting it. But that's not my message for today. That's not our study today. Maybe it will be someday, but not right now. So right after this rapture, a great tribulation took place. And once again, once again, I'm reminded of what Jesus said when he spoke of the tribulation in Matthew 24, when he said, but as in, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. Furthermore, I'm reminded over in Revelation chapter 12 and in Daniel chapter 9, that God said the tribulation will be characterized by a flood. Now, he's not suggesting another universal flood. No, it's not that. But the Antichrist will send a flood to try to wipe out Israel. So we have a flood, and prior to that, a rapture, prior to a tribulation. Now, after, after that, we have another man, uh, then he gets raptured, and that's Elijah, okay? Elijah. You're probably familiar with him. Elijah's a great Old Testament prophet. You know, he's a hero of mine. I, I, personally, I like Elijah. I, I really do. You know, um, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord for some instant replays or video of Elijah. You know, he's a character, man. He's a character. That guy is not the regular run-of-the-mill Baptist preacher. I mean, this guy is a character and he, he, and, and he just stirs up trouble wherever he goes. You know, Elijah, the Elijah trouble, the Tishbite that should have been his name. You know, uh, do you recall on one occasion, uh, he challenged the, uh, 450 prophets of the Baalite religion to a spiritual duel. And, you know, he said, I'll tell you what, boys, I'll meet you up on Mount Carmel and we'll see who's God in Israel. And they said, all right, We'll take you up on that. And, they, and he said, you know, well, why don't you go prepare a sacrifice? And they prepared a sacrifice. He said, why don't you go pray? And here's the deal. Whichever God answers by fire and, and consumes the sacrifice, that's the God that we'll worship. And they said, okay, deal. So you had 450 of them praying and yelling and crying and cutting themselves and, you know, going through all kinds of religious shenanigans just to, to try to get the attention of their God, but it was all to no avail. And finally, when it, when it all ran out of steam, you know what Elijah did? Elijah stood up and he prayed a very simple 63-word prayer, and God answered with fire from heaven, and fire came down and consumed the altar, the sacrifice, the water that was in the trench, the full deal. And then, and then, do you know what Elijah had the gall to do? He took a sword and he killed the whole bunch of them. I mean, I'm just telling you a Bible story now, that's all. I mean, that's great. I want to see that. And then there was a king who was in charge of things during Elijah's time, and his name was, do you know? It was Ahab. Now, Ahab was married to an extremely wicked woman, and you know her as Jezebel. And she pops up clear over in Revelation chapter 18 during the tribulation, does she not? That name, you see? 
So Elijah is raptured. He's taken out in 2 Kings 2, while a guy who is a type of the Antichrist married to Jezebel, a picture of the Antichrist church in Revelation 17, and, and he's in charge. Uh, I mean, that's important for us to understand. That's important for us to understand. And you're going to know why in a little bit. I'll explain it. So here we are in, in the Old Testament. We have two raptures. We have Enoch, who is a who was taken prior to a tribulation. We have Elijah, who was taken in the middle of a tribulation, while we have a type of the Antichrist with Jezebel as his wife in charge. Now, the next rapture in the church is, of course, Jesus Christ himself. Now, some people might disagree with me on that one, but just hear me out. Jesus was crucified. He was buried. He was raised again the third day. And he communed with his disciples, and he talked with them periodically for 40 days. He gathered them together, and over in Acts chapter 1, and, and what happened? They stood there, and they watched him ascend into heaven in a cloud. That's a rapture, amen? The Lord Jesus Christ is going up. All right? Even though that's almost a foregone conclusion, it's important for us to understand that. We're now. You know, we're about a third of the way through here already, okay? So just hang on with me. Uh, we're going to take a break in a few minutes anyway. Um, now, of course, the next rapture in the church is the one we've already read the text for, okay? Uh, now, there are other texts for it. Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians 15 has a great text for it. Revelation chapter 4 and uh, verse 1 talks, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 talks about uh, a door opening in heaven and someone going up. This is the rapture of the body of Christ at the conclusion of this approximately 2,000-year church-age stuff. And this is really exciting stuff, okay? This is really exciting stuff. And I'm going to leave you on the hook there for a second because we're going to take a very quick break, all right? We'll be right back. Stay with us. I need to get some water. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book.
All right. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and uh, we are studying raptures in the Bible. And uh, really needed to take a break there because we're going to get into some some stuff right now that's uh, uh, we just needed to take a break. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've been talking about raptures, uh, and we're getting back into our text here in First uh, Thessalonians chapter four. And like I said, there are other texts, you know, for this rapture. It's First Corinthians fifteen is a good text for us. Revelation uh, chapter four talks about a door opening in heaven. You know. Um, and uh, and Matt was talking about uh, that, you know, this is the rapture of the body of Christ at the conclusion of this approximately 2000 year church age period. OK, now we're in the year 2022, right, according to our calendar, according to our Gregorian calendar. The best we know is that we're in 2022. Now, there's ample evidence in the Bible that the church age from Christ to here is 2000 years. Okay. Um, so let me give you a couple of examples. All right. Peter said this, but beloved, and if you want to, you can go over to second Peter chapter two, verse eight. Okay. Second Peter chapter two and verse eight. Uh, the Bible says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So all Peter's doing here is repeating what he found over in Psalm 90. All right, so God said, here's a spiritual formula for figuring out a mathematical equation. Okay, he says, here's the formula. A day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? That's noteworthy, right? Uh, now, now, God created the earth in six days and he rested the seventh. The eighth day is a day of new beginning. That's why the number eight in your Bible signifies a new beginning. That's why on every piano and organ that exists in the world, the eighth note is an octave. It starts over again. Did you know that like every symphony and every concerto ever written only has seven notes? And then those black keys on a piano, those are half notes, okay? There are only seven notes, and when you hit the eighth note, it's a new beginning. You start all over again. You start at C and go up and up and up. All right. Real artists tell us that there are only seven colors. Everything else is just a mixture of those colors, like the colors of the rainbow. So God created the earth in six days and he rested the seventh. So do you know what we're coming up on right now? Uh, according to Bishop Usher's chronology, we're coming up on 6,000 years from Adam until now. The seventh day is a day of rest, that millennial day, that 1,000-year millennial day of rest we find over in Revelation chapter 20. Six times God says 1,000 years, 1,000 years, 1,000 years, right? But, um, well, let me get back to plan A and, and, and discuss with you how I know 2,000 years from the church age. I'm getting off someplace else. All right, so Peter said 1,000 years is as a day, and a day is as 1,000 years. So do you know what Jesus said when they came to him with news about his friend Lazarus who was sick? They said, Lord, thy friend is sick. Lazarus was his buddy. They were tight. They were friends. Do you remember what Jesus did? He purposely delayed his going to Lazarus for two days. Now, who's Lazarus? Well, he's a Jew. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus is dead. And when he gets there, Lazarus' sisters say to him, Lord, 
hadst thou been here? The Lord says, not to worry. Everything's under control. And Lazarus is resurrected in John chapter 11. But he delayed for two days. So in other words, Lazarus is in a sickened, anemic, spiritually blind condition, or a picture of that, Romans chapter 11, of Israel for two days. What has Israel been in for the last two days, 2,000 years? Well, the Bible says that there's a veil of blindness on them. Isn't that right? One day it's going to be taken off. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Do you remember when the priest and the Levite traveled down and they had seen that poor man in a ditch and then they just walked by him and left him there? Then the Good Samaritan came by and and saw him and, and he lifted him up and he patched him up. He poured oil over his wounds and then he takes him over to the innkeeper. Then he says, when I return, if I owe thee aught, I will pay thee. And what did he give him? He gave him two pence. Do you know what a pence is in the Bible? It's one day's wages. He gave him two days wages. He gave him two pence. And he said, when I return, when I return, when I return, if I owe thee aught, I will pay thee. So he gave him two days wages. Now, who's the innkeeper a type of? Now, if you listen to the series we did on the eight miracles in John, you would know this. Uh, who's the innkeeper? Was who is he a type of? He's a type of the Holy Spirit. So you see how that works. Now, over in uh, Hosea chapter six, you know what God says in speaking of Israel. He says, "After two days, will He revive us? In the third day, He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight." You know, you can find all kinds of these. You can find it in the wedding feast of Canaan in John chapter 2. I mean, over and over and over again, you find all kinds of implications that this age, the church age, is 2,000 years. So then you might say, well, then why didn't the, the horn blow at midnight at the beginning of the new millennium? Well, here's the glitch. Well, maybe two glitches, actually. Uh, number one, I don't know if our calendar is right, <laughs> Okay. I mean, we managed to mess up everything else. Why wouldn't we mess up the calendar? So I don't know if our calendar's right. And then number two is, I don't know exactly when God initiates this 2,000-year period. Did he start it at the birth of Christ? Or did he start it at the cross, which would make more sense? That would make more sense because that's when he ushers in a new age. Does he not? Right? So let's say our calendar is right. And it probably isn't because God always seems to operate on a lunar calendar. But l let's say it is, and God initiated it at the cross. Well, Christ, by all accounts, was born about 4 BC. Okay? That means 4 plus 2 equals 6. He died at 33, and that's 27. So that means that at max we're off about 27 years at max now that's why i'm getting into preventative medicine you see you know i'm getting more serious about taking care of myself well why is that well because i want to hear the trumpet amen now what am i saying here uh 
Am I uh, venturing into the heretic Harold camping, predicting when it's going to happen? No, not at all. Not at all. I can't predict when it's going to happen. I mean, it could be tomorrow. You know, it could be tonight. It could be, you know, before I finish recording this podcast. That would be great. You know, it could be, you know, at uh, halftime. <laughs> right. Now, that would be kind of funny, though, right? <laughs> Think about that. Halftime. Here's a sidebar now. You know, it would really be funny. You know, you're watching the football game, and a quarterback goes back to pass, and he launches this beautiful 50-yard touchdown pass, and it's, you know, it's in the air, and God blows the trumpet, and the receiver is a Christian, <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be great? Everybody would be looking around, you know. Oh, he was there, coach. I know he was there. I saw him. Well, what I'm trying to tell you, though, is it, 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 it don't matter, all right? It, it don't matter. It can't, I can't tell... Can you tell I took college English, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter what formula you're working with. It's right around the corner. It has to be close. It has to be close. Now, there's another rapture that a lot of people miss, and they don't they don't see it. Um, and it causes a lot of confusion. Uh, but it's the rapture of tribulation saints found in the book of Matthew. You know, Matthew is a unique book in that it introduces kingdom possibilities to Israel. In fact, it's more of a it's more of a gospel of the kingdom than it is a gospel of Christ like the book of John. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells us an interesting story, and here's the story in a nutshell to save time. He said a king decided to have a feast because his son was getting married. So, he sent messengers out throughout all the land and he invited people to come to the wedding. All the people that he invited came up with all kinds of excuses as to why they couldn't, you know, and the messengers, you know, they did their thing. They listened to all the excuses. And finally, they went back to the king and said, you know, we just can't get anybody to come to the wedding because they all have all these crazy excuses. So what happened? The king says, well, all right, well, why don't you go out and try again? Well, they went out and they tried again. And they came back empty. Finally, the king says, well, I'll tell you what you do. You go out to the highways and the byways and you compel them to come so that my house may be filled. So in effect, what he said was, is you go out and get just anybody that's willing to come. They don't have to be people of importance. They don't have to be people of prestige or influence, just ordinary people. Now, normally you would think that a king's son's wedding, a prince's wedding, you know, I mean, just think about it. You remember, remember when, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one who gave up the crown over here. Uh, Harry, I think it was, right? When Prince Harry got married. I'm sure that the only people that got into that church were people that were real dignitaries, right? And I'm sure you had to be a real heavyweight in British society to get into that wedding. Now, this king said to the messengers, you just go, go get anybody that you can, anybody to come to this wedding. And then in Matthew chapter 4, I'm sorry, 24, Jesus runs this out. In Matthew 24, Matthew 24, the entire chapter is a dialogue about a coming tribulation because Jesus is responding to a question that the disciples asked him. And he's telling them, uh, 
what the warm-up to the tribulation is going to be. He said it's going to be a time of earthquakes in diverse places. He said it's going to be a time when many people will claim to be Christ and they aren't. He said it's going to be a time of wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence and all that stuff. And then he said, here's what you need to pray. He said, you need to pray that your flight is not in wintertime, nor on the Sabbath, speaking to Israel, as they flee the coming armies of the Antichrist and the world as they descend on Jerusalem. Now, by the way, this is another sidebar, okay? Uh, have you noticed that Israel just constantly remains the hot ticket? Uh, Ukraine's come and go. You know, Iraq's come and go. Afghanistan's come and go. But Israel? Israel remains the hot ticket. Isn't that right? Week after week, month after month, year after year. You know what? That's Bible, folks. That's Bible. Okay, so the Lord says, two shall be in a bed and one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other one left. Then over in chapter 25, he tells another story about 10 virgins. And these virgins, these virgins are invited to a wedding. And they have some oil. Five of them run out of oil because they didn't come prepared. And the other five, when the bridegroom comes, he takes them away with him because they are prepared. Now you put all that together and it's simple. Here's what's going on. When the church of Jesus Christ, that's every believer, okay, that's every believer, that's not an incorporated group here in the state of Texas or wherever you are where you're living, the church of Jesus Christ is every believer. When the church of Jesus Christ is taken out of here, do you know where you're going? You're going to hit the judgment seat of Christ where you're going to be judged according to your works, whether they be good or bad. And your works are going to determine your millennial rewards. But do you know what follows that? A wedding. We call it the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, the Bible puts a great deal of emphasis on weddings. Just read the Song of Solomon. Now, what do you have at a wedding? Well, you have the bridegroom, right? The Lord Jesus Christ. You've got the bride, the church, his body. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us that. But you also have other people at a wedding. And where do you get all these ideas about who's supposed to be in a wedding traditionally? You know, you have the father, and the, in the and in the traditional Christian wedding, the father walks his little girl down the aisle. You know, so the little girl walks down the aisle on her daddy's arm, and her daddy gives her away. And the preacher says, who giveth this woman to be this man's wife? And her daddy says, her mother and I. And the bridegroom is instructed to take about two steps toward the lovely young lady, uh, that he's going he's gonna to marry. Then the father takes the hand, takes her hand, and puts it in his hand, and he pulls her to himself, and they turn and face the preacher. Now, where do we get this from? Well, let me see. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one 
So do you see where that comes from? Right out of your Bible. All right, so you have the father at the wedding. You have God the father at the wedding. Who else do you have at the wedding? Well, you have the best man at the wedding, don't you? You know, the groom picks his best man. It's his buddy or his brother. It's usually the best man. So we have the best man at the wedding. Do you know who the best man is? Well, Jesus told you who it was. Go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. He's the best man. And Jesus elaborates on this in John chapter 3. John says, I'm not the groom. I'm not the bride. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. The best man's there. Okay. And where do we ever get that idea from? It's from the Bible. But that's not all. You've got the father. And by the way, you've got the mother of the bride, right? And you know what she does? Well, she sits there crying, right? That's what she does. Now, you know what the mother of bride is, don't you? You know who the mother of the bride is? You have a mother above, which is New Jerusalem in Galatians chapter 4. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. And you know what's going to happen when you hit the wedding? There's going to be tears of joy and glory. Tears of joy and glory. So now, now you have the father, the mother of the bride, and the best man. And that's not all. You've got the bridesmaids. You know who the bridesmaids are, don't you? That's the group that's mentioned in Matthew 25. Then you have some guests. That's the Matthew 22 group. So how do they get to the wedding? Well, they have to get raptured. Now think with me for a minute. Do you remember Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 being raptured right before the flood? Who is he a type of? Well, he's a type of the church being raptured prior to a flood or a tribulation. How about Elijah being raptured? Who's he a type of? Well, he's a type of the tribulation saint. It gets even more interesting when you realize that Elijah, Elijah is one of the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. Both he and Moses come back as witnesses for God during that tribulation. And then the people left behind slay him, and they slay Moses after they mess with their religion for a little while. They kill them, and then the people rejoice in the streets, and they give each other presents, and, and they have the greatest time as they lay their dead in the streets of Jerusalem. They stay there dead for three days and three nights, and then God comes along and, and says, you know what? Time to go. And up they go. And I think they're going up with the Matthew 25 crowd, the tribulation saints. Well, why? Because that's what Elijah is a picture of. But that's not all. you got something else going on. Who's our first fruits? Who's our first fruits? It's Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Now, every harvest is divided into three basic segments, okay? You have the first fruits. So you know what that is. You know when you grow tomatoes in your garden, right? You have the, the first few that get ripe, and it's really so exciting, and then you pick them, and you have your first vine-ripened tomatoes. Then, all of a sudden, you have 
more of them than you know what to do with, right? Uh, then you have to, you know, load them all up into buckets and bring them to church and, you know, you start piling them up on the table outside the church saying, you know, free, take some, right? It's a big harvest, a big harvest. Then it kind of tails off. Then it kind of tails off. And you come to the part that we call the gleanings. That's the end of the thing. You know, you get one here, you get one there, you get one over there, and so on, right? Jesus Christ, Paul said, is our first fruits. Then there's the main body of the harvest, the rapture of the church. Then you know what the tribulation saints are? They're the gleanings. They're the gleanings. You follow it? Okay, now we have one more rapture to look at in the Bible, and then we're going to close this out. Okay, man, we are way over our time, but that's okay. You're not going anywhere, and you can pause this and do what you got to do. All right, so take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Now, if you want to call it a rapture, I call it a rapture, okay? But it's certainly a resurrection. Revelation chapter 20, and we're going to go to verse 11. Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Now, I want you to get this picture, okay? I want you to get this picture. The masses of humanity are standing before God, who occupies a great white throne, and they're standing on nothing. Open space. Open space. How do I know that? Well, it says from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. It's all gone. It's all removed. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now this, this here is what we call the resurrection of the dead or the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment of the lost. This is the judgment of the unsaved. Now, if you're saved, if you're saved, when you get to this judgment, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, uh, it's determined. It's it's to it's to determine your reward based upon your work. Okay, that's the judgment seat of Christ. It has nothing to do with your salvation. You see, my salvation doesn't hang on me. It hangs on Jesus Christ. It hangs on what he did, not what I did. This group, in, this group here is the group that, through all the ages and the centuries of time, has said, in essence, this. They said, one day, I would like to be judged for my works, for my behavior, for my personal attitude, for my obedience. God says, all right, we'll accommodate you if that's what you want. 
that's what we'll give you. This is the crowd that says, yes, I'm going to heaven. I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. Okay, let's see. That's the group that says, I'm keeping the golden rule. God says, okay, let's see. That's the group that says, you know, I'm not so bad. The guy down the street is far worse than me. God says, okay, let's see. And the books are open. God's a bookkeeper. He keeps copious notes. He's a bookkeeper. He doesn't just keep books on what you say and where you go and what you do. He keeps, bo he keeps books on what you think. Now, I don't know how that affects you, but I think that puts me in really deep trouble. He keeps books on what you think. You know how I know that? Jesus said to look upon a woman and lust after her is to commit adultery already. It's what you think. He said, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. So you see what God's dealing with? He's dealing with what's going on up here in your thoughts. Now, God's a bookkeeper. He keeps the books. And one day he's going to say, if you want to be judged according to your works, we'll accommodate that and you'll be found wanting and come up short. Now, conversely, there's another book in our text that's opened. That's the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? You know, there have been many hymns written over the years about, is your name written? My name's written. You know how I know that? One July night, 22 years ago, on a park bench in lower Manhattan, I said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all my sin and save me. Then God gave an angel of glory the instruction, write his name down right there. And he wrote my name down. You know, the old song says, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, and it's mine, and it's mine. I don't know what God wrote down, but I don't think he wrote down Joe Rusiello. God gave you a name. And if you're a born-again believer, he wrote it down. There it is in the book. Is your name in the book? It's critical that your name is in the book. God doesn't write your name in the book predicated on your religion, your church membership, your baptism, or your obedience to sacraments, or your messing around with the Ten Commandments, the Golden Rule, or anything else. He determines whether you're in the book or not in the book based upon what you've done with the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ, and when you've received that. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Have you received him by faith? I have. Have you? You know, you don't have to be in church to do that. I wasn't. But I heard a gospel message similar to what you heard today, and I responded. Jesus Christ died for you. See, the way I see it, is that you have a choice, okay? You can either say, Lord, it's my works. Or you're going to say, it's his work. Yours or his. It's just that simple. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm not going to hang my hope 
on any of my work, I'm going to hang it all on him. Well, folks, um, we are way over our time, and that's about all the time we're going to take up for today. So uh, I just want to say thank you again to everybody who has been tuning in. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I really appreciate uh, those of you who have been supporting us prayerfully and financially. Thank you so much for that again. And pay a visit to our website, The Sword of the Spirit Podcast, and uh, click that contact button. Click that support this podcast button. Uh, Let me know what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what you're thinking. And folks, uh, get in that book and get your name in his book. Folks, until I talk to you again, have a great week. God bless you and have a great, great day. Take care. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day. Well, that's about it, really. The film ends mainly visually.